Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Welcome again, everybody. We are glad that you are here. Amen. Hey, this is the right place at the right time. Do you believe that this morning? All right. The rest of you will by the time we're done, I assure you. Listen, anytime you can gather and just uplift God and raise your voice, lift his name, is, a, is the place to be. Amen. That's what I love about the Spirit of God. He goes wherever you go. You can do the same thing wherever you are at home. Nothing like coming together with a bunch of other family and friends, though, and coming together corporately through worship and then sharing the word. Really excited about that. Hey, it's what we say at Tree Life. God's not a forcer. He is a filler. Amen. We believe that. So you set the limit. Basically, you determine how much of God that you walk away with. So we ask you to take the limits off. Amen. We serve a limitless God. Let him fill you up overflowing. We know that we've already had great time in worship. We had a chance to get our hearts ready for the word. But now we're going to spend some time on the word. So turn to Matthew 7 for me. Matthew 7. We're in part two of a series. I'll talk about that in a moment. I just want to remind you that in two weeks, it is Memorial Weekend. And that means the wall will be here. I just can't tell you how excited I am about that. Amen. Yeah. It is, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for Tree of Life to be a Tree of Life. We're going to honor, certainly, the focus of the wall is the Vietnam veterans that are so deserving of honor, many that they did not receive, uh, and they should have back in that day. Uh, but it's also going to be honoring for all the veterans, and so we'll have a chance to just let them know that we appreciate them and their sacrifices. Uh, the wall is a great picture of that freedom is not ever free. There's a high price for it, in fact. And so we thank all of our veterans and all the wars and their families that are serving, have served, and will continue to serve on in the future. So we as a church need to rally behind this. We have more space for volunteers. If you get a chance to find some time to serve, you can go out to the table out there. You can sign up there, ask all the questions that you want. There's actual invite cards there. I want to encourage you to grab some. We all know people that this would just be a great thing for them to come and experience. And we probably all know veterans that we definitely want our veterans out and to be honored. And be very, very prayerful about that because we're believing that the Spirit of God is just going to touch the hearts and lives of so many people. And from what I hear when people experience the wall, whether it be in person or traveling wall, it really is an emotional time, a a healing time, a restoring time. Uh, Many can't make the the trip to D.C., so it's a great opportunity for them to come and be able to to have some time for just experience some healing and restoration. So be very much in prayer over that. Find a place to serve. It's going to be fantastic. And then that Sunday morning, Congressman Louis Gomer is going to be here. Really excited about that. We'll share more with you next weekend. So make plans. If you're normally out of town Memorial Weekend, you need to do a staycation, right? <laughs> Try and be around and be a part of that. It's going to be awesome. All right, Matthew 7 is where we're starting today. We are in part two of our series called Building a Great Life. Last week we kicked it off with Mother's Day and just honoring uh, women and their role in life. The, looked at the scriptures to see some wonderful honoring things. Uh, women, you're bringers of life in every situation. So we so uh, desperately want you to stand in that role that God has put you and equipped you in. And that helps us build a great life together. Uh, today we're going to look at marriages. And then the next week we're going to look at uh, just uh, all of them are going to be great things to look at topics. But we're going to look at finances and what does that look like. We'll look at parenting, we'll look at relationships or friendships, we'll look at family time. And uh, we understand this, that great lives just don't happen. Just, I was just born into a great life. Or you may be born into some different circumstances than other people, but great lives are built. There is work needed. And aren't you glad that our Father God is the grand architect of life, and he has given us blueprints to live our life by? Now, especially men, I want you to listen to this because we're notorious for not following directions right? I don't even read them. I throw them aside, then I wonder why I got so many spare parts. I was really smart of them to add some extras just in case something happened, right? Or 
whatever that looks like. So I really want you guys to lock in on this, but everybody, we're gonna look at some principles in the word that we can apply to our life that will help us build a great life. Because again, it doesn't just happen. In fact, it seems like this world is really against a great life. I mean, just things are changing all the time and stresses and pressures and politically correct and legislation or just cultural shifts and changes aren't necessarily the best thing. I mean, we can look at the word to find that out and we're gonna do that. So I wanna encourage you that the things that we look in the scripture today may be kind of not necessarily new to you, but my question is, are you walking in them? Because sometimes we don't need a new revelation until we're walking in the revelation that we already have. And so we wanna apply the word of God to our life. So Matthew 7 is our starting point. Verse 24 says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, understand it says, and puts them into practice. See, we have, a, we have a real problem, I think, in the American church today. We like to just come hear the word. And we think then that betters our life. But really, that, that betters your opportunity for a better life. But it's really the application or putting into practice the word of God that really brings change and transformation. It says, puts them into practice is like a wise man. Wise people, wise men and women, put the word of God into practice because that releases the power of God. And it says, who built his house on the rock. Do you realize the rock of Jesus Christ, of God, of the word of God is the sure foundation in life? It is the only foundation that will resist any storm. It is the only thing that will remain throughout the course of time. It is the only sure foundation to build life on. It really is. And we we struggle for so many things. We pursue so many other things to build life on. But if it's not on the principles and truths of the word of God, it is in vain. vain, The Bible says, we'll read it in in a few moments. It goes on to say this, the next verse. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house as it does in our life. That is life. The Bible Bible says storms come, they're everywhere constant, yet it did not fall, and the reason it did not fall, it's because it had its foundation on the rock. It's, it did not fall, it, see, here's, here's our world today, it did not fall, we think it, it won't fall because it's politically correct. We think it won't fall because it's cultural Christianity, it's trendy. We, we think it won't fall because that's what everybody else thinks is right. Can I tell you, if it's not in line with the word of God, it ain't right. And it will not last, and it will not stand the storms. It won't. The Bible says the only thing that will stand the storms of life is that which is built on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ and the word of God, period. That's it. So legislation can be passed, and, and the, the majority of thought can be a particular thing, and that's fine. But that doesn't mean it'll work but the word of God always does. So I really want you to get that in your heart when we're talking about building a great life. It goes on to say this, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And then it goes on to say, the rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. The only sure foundation in life is the word of God, amen? So we're gonna look at the word of God on how to build a great life in the different areas I've already mentioned. But remember, it's the application or doing the word, being a doer of the word, that'll really bring about change in your life. And then today we're talking about in your marriage. Now, God's words and principles work no matter how your marriage started. And this is for you whether you're married or unmarried and wanna be married and yet to be married. Um, married again, the principles in God's word work. And so we need to have the principles of God's word as our standard. That needs to be our expectation, amen? And so, but I found a funny clip talking about lowered expectations. I wanted to show that to you this morning. Let's watch the screen. I tried other dating services looking for someone I could spend the rest of my life with. 
basket, but every time it, it just never worked out. The computer kept matching me up with uh, all these women looking for their Prince Charming. <laughs> Finally, I gave up. I didn't want to be alone anymore, so I called Lowered Expectations. At Lowered Expectations, we don't use any fancy psychological testing or sophisticated matching techniques. We simply take your name and randomly select another name. We know that some people are tired of waiting on Mr. Right and will settle for Mr. Right Now. Now I don't have to spend Friday nights playing World of Warcraft. Do that Saturday. Sure, we don't have anything in common at all, but at least he's male. And she's a woman. And with lowered expectations, that's good for me. Thank you, lowered expectations. Thanks. A lot. We talked about the touching. Kind of wonderful because you show me just how much you care. We don't have to lower any expectation for anything in life. Amen. We have the Word of God as our standard. We don't have to settle for. I just want to encourage you today that look to the Word of God and build your life upon that foundation. I just wanted to encourage you in that. I thought that was a funny clip. It doesn't matter how you started, you can build a better marriage. It doesn't matter where you're at today, you can start today and build something great as long as the foundation of it is the word of God. Let's take a look at this scripture. Here's our foundational one, Lamentations 3, 19 through 23. Here's what it says. Now this is interesting because this is Lamentations, which is a lament of the prophet Jeremiah, or he's just really in a bad place. He's really kind of depressed. And it sounds funny, to start, we're gonna do a marriage one right today, starting off with a, a depressed man's thoughts here. But, but listen to what he says. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. He's thinking about all the bad experiences. He's thinking about all the mistakes he made. And so he's kind of thinking through that. And he goes on to say this. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And here's why he has hope, and here's why you and I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. If you have the King James, it says his mercies never fail. Amen? It goes on to say this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen? That is a good word. So I just want to encourage you this morning, and we look at the course of this series and all the different things that we talk about. Do not get to that place of despair. Let hope rise up in you because God's mercies are new every morning, no matter where you've come from, what you've experienced, what you've been, no matter how often you've thought about it. And he's talking about, I keep thinking about this. He says, you need to start thinking about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the mercies of God are new every day. You can build a great marriage starting today. You can build a great family. You can build a great life starting today because he gives you a clean slate. He gives you a new opportunity. He gives you another chance. That's good. Amen. He is a faithful God. I love that about our God. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. The big question is, can a great marriage really be built? Is that possible? I mean, what does that look like in today's world? It seems like it's somewhat impossible. And we understand the way that the world is today. Is it even possible to have a great marriage? Are there great marriages around? And honestly, I think it's hard for us maybe sometimes to find one or even to describe one because the picture of marriage today has changed so much. And we hear about marriage being redefined. We hear about all the things being uh, talked about in marriages. In fact, in, in today's world, there are as many people living as married but not as married. I mean, it, the, the picture of marriage has, has become so um, undesirable 
In today's world, people are just like, what's the point? And, but they're missing what the word of God says. And I wanna remind us today a little bit because it's important to go back and understand that the mar- institution of marriage was created by God. It was never created by man. It was created by God. And so it just makes sense to me to go and see what the creator says about what he's created. It seems a little arrogant for the creation to change what the creator has already made, amen? And so let's understand that. So is a good marriage possible? Absolutely, is a great marriage possible? Absolutely. Is it probable? That's really the big question, and it's dependent upon what we are willing to do. There are definitely questions in this world, but our foundation is the word of God. And according to statistics, we can see why people get so discouraged. A marriage can seemingly be so undesirable. Whether you're a Christian or not, the statistics are the same. You have about a 50-50 chance of making it work. I mean, the divorce rate today, whether it be Christian or non-Christian, is right around 50%. So one in two, typically. That's kind of the standard recognized by most people. It might be a little bit better in the church, but nonetheless, it's usually the standard recognized. So one in two usually have a chance for success. And you know, uh, when it comes to that, those odds of making it work, we wouldn't take those odds really about anything else. I mean, right? I mean, you got a 50% chance. I mean, it just seems like we wouldn't settle. We, I, want, I want better odds than that. Is that the best you can give me? But it just seems like when it comes to marriage, it's kind of what we settle for. And if we keep doing the same thing that the world's doing, that's what we'll end up with. I mean, think about the things perhaps that maybe we would want better odds at. And I, I used this example one time before. What if you're flying and you get on the airplane and the captain comes on and says, thank you for flying with us today. You got about a 50% chance of making it to your destination. <laughs> we got a 50% chance of making it there, 50% chance of going down. How many of you know I'm getting off that plane right away? I, so I'm not staying there. I'm not saying on that one. But you know what? When it comes to our marriage and stuff, somehow we settle for what just ever the world has. Okay, well, I just hope my, I just hope I got a better chance. Listen, you have the opportunity for a better chance because of the foundation of the word of God that can be laid in your life and in your marriage, amen? That's gonna take work for sure, but you have a better chance. And we take this marriage ride and really, we don't do anything different than others, or we really don't do anything about it. And so we find our odds at 50 percent or half, one and two, but God has a better way. In fact, Matthew 6, let's look at that. God has a better way, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom. In other words, I'm going to go after all the things of God. I'm going to make all the God things a priority. The Bible says when I do, God gets involved in my life. Your marriage will never be what God intended it to be unless you get God in the middle of it. That that, that scripture is very clear. That is the way. You put God in the middle of it, or all things God, and he gets involved in your life. And I think sometimes we as Christians miss that because it's one thing to be saved, and we're thankful for salvation, and we're believing everyone to come to the knowledge of Christ, but you realize salvation gets you saved. Old things pass away. All things become new and get you access to heaven, but you still have a life to live out on this planet. But what salvation does do for you is position you to walk in all the things God has for you. You now have a chance for success where without it you do not, but he's not gonna force you to do that. You make choices and decisions to walk out what God has for you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that. How do I do that? The power of the Holy Spirit gives me the power and ability to do that which I cannot do in in and of myself. That comes through salvation. But so many Christians just settle for those odds, one in every two, just because they're saved, somehow we think maybe then there's gonna, we're both Christians, why can't we figure this out? Why can't we make it work? Well, sometimes we neglect the principles of God's word even if we have the best of intentions. And so, but the good is, his mercy's new every morning, amen? So if you haven't been seeking first the kingdom of God, you can start today. 
You can start today and see the word come alive in your heart, your life, and in your marriage. And so, again, it applies to everyone, including, including singles. Uh, so what Jesus is saying here is literally this, that if you focus on getting closer to me, I can take care of the stuff in your life. Or let me say it this way, to the degree you get close to him is to the degree which he takes care of your stuff. And to which I say, ouch, <laughs> right? Because I sure like to blame other people, but the responsibility lies to me, falls to me. I want to justify not being able to do things, but the reality is, the closer I get to God, the more involved he gets. That's what Matthew 6.33 says. Now, when I talk to singles, and this is for you, so don't check out on me too. I talk to singles all the time, and I know that they're looking, and they're out, you hear this, I'm just looking, just waiting on the right one, and I get that, I was single at one time. I know what that's like. And then you hear things like in our society today, and he, uh, well, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you're a fan of Jerry Maguire, the famous line, I'm waiting for that one to complete me, right? I just want to be completed. I know when I find that one, then, then I'll be completed. That one will bring completion to my life. Right now, I'm incomplete without that person, but when that person comes, I'll be completed and everything will be great. How many married people can tell them, listen, that's just a movie line, right? <laughs> it's a line in the movie right there. And we know that to be true because there is no one that can complete another person. It's only God, amen, that can bring the fulfillment and completion in our life. That's why he has to be first. It's a flawed concept because no one can complete you. If, in fact, no matter how wonderful they may be, no person has the ability to complete another. And if we go into the marriage, into your marriage with these kind of expectations, one day we will resent the one we rejoiced over. Because we've placed expectations and we're never meant to be on their life. And so no one is, is it to be that place other than God. And anytime you put someone in that place above God, and they will eventually fail you and you'll resent them. Anytime you place anything in that place above God, anytime you place your job above God, then it eventually will fail you. You won't have the financial success without putting God first. Anytime you place relationships, you place a spouse, you place other things in your heart and your life above God, they will eventually fail you, but God is a God that fails not, amen? And he's the only one that can bring completion or fulfillment in life. The only one worthy of that place of completion is God. So maybe, just maybe, some of our strife and conflict in our marriages are because we put unfair expectations on the spouse instead of putting God in that place. No matter how wonderful they are, how wonderful you think they are, they cannot take the place of God, and yet some of us so much look to them and then we resent them when they, when they fall short. Hey, all of us are gonna fall short. That's why Matthew 6.33, he's got to be that place that he is first. And what happens over time, the things that, what happens is over time, the things that you used to appreciate about that person, you can't stand anymore, right? Oh, I love him, he's just so laid back. Nothing really rattles him, he's just so chill, he's just, nothing phases him, he's just so calm. I love that about him. 10 years later, he's a lazy bum, he's a bump on the log. No, there's no emotion there at all from him. And the guy's, the guy's like, you know, I have so much love about, she's so organized and she's so detail-minded. I'm not that way at all. She's so decisive and, and she knows what she wants. 10 years down the road, it's like she's a control freak. She's bossing me around all the time. And it's because we're neglecting Matthew 6.33, right? We've elevated people in a place that only God can be or fulfill. And if we do that with people, eventually it turns into resentment we need to get things back in order. We need to understand we can't let people be in a position only God was intended to be in. The truth is a lot of the reason we have failed marriages and failed relationships is because 
We are expecting things from people only God can give. We're expecting things from people only God can give. And that's, that's something we have to work on to get things in order. If we, don't, if we don't understand that, then we will continue to be frustrated. Uh, so let me give you some principles in building a great marriage, building a great life. Let me give you this first one. God is my one and my spouse is my two. And to which we all would say amen and shout and all that, but the reality is I don't know that we actually live that way all the time. I mean, if we were to look into life and relationship, I wonder if we all could honestly say that's what we want to say, that's what we want to be true. And we need to constantly work on that. But God is my number one and my spouse is my number two. You can't put anything before God. That's why your marriage has to be Christ-centered. It has to be. For it to work as it was designed to be, following the blueprint, it has to be Christ-centered. That means I have to go after God first. I have to go after God first. You can't go after that spouse before God. And if you're, a, if you're on the other side, you're the spouse, you should want your spouse to go after God first. If you're a husband, you want a wife that's going after God with all her heart and everything within her if you're a wife, you want a husband that's gonna be a godly man and put God first in everything in your life, marriage, and family. That's the best possible scenario. So that's what we want, what we need to have. Let me give you this one for everyone who's single. A lot of you are still seeking that one. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. And we think we gotta seek that person. I gotta seek that person. I, I don't wanna be single anymore, whatever that looks like. Again, I've been there, we gotta seek that person. But we get things in reverse order. Again, Matthew 6, seek first. We gotta seek the one while preparing for my two. That's a commitment that needs to be made. And here's the application of that for those who are single. See how close you can get to God. While you are single, see how close you can get to God. Because you have opportunities and time that you will not have when you're married and family comes along. So you need to take that time, see how close you can get to God. When you do, there's some things that you'll discover. You will become, now listen, you will become very attractive to those who are looking for a spouse. I mean, if you are single and want to be married, then get as close to God as you can. And you become what you're looking for. Because my hope is that you're not gonna apply to lowered expectations now. I'll go online and find that one, right? You need to become what you're believing God for. And let me say, this, the word needs to be your standard. Don't lower your expectations because you've been single or lonely. Don't lower them. Become what you are believing God for. That's what you want to be attracted to. That's what you want, that's what you want to be. I want to be attracted to a godly woman. I want to be attracted to a godly man. Then be a godly woman or be a godly man. Be that person. Now, I just, I just want to say that that's the thing we always got to keep in the back of our mind and, and understand those things, but that's one of the things that will happen the closer you get to God. And it's because you weren't busy looking necessarily, but you were busy becoming. You're getting close to God and letting him work in you. You're getting close to God is letting him prepare you. And sometimes we need to make sure we get things back in order. Keep Jesus as your number one. Let me give you the last one here, this last principle. I will seek the one with my two. I will seek the one with my two. You know what, that's a, I, saved the, I saved the toughest one for last right there. <laughs> I will seek the one with my two. And that's really what the rest of the, the service today is gonna be focused on. How does that look? What does that mean? And this one really is a big deal. Even a lot of Christian couples really don't seek God together. Let me say that. Really, a lot of Christian couples really don't even seek God together. What are you talking about, Pastor? We're here in church. Can I tell you just sitting in church with your spouse doesn't mean you're seeking God together. But that's, that's the trap, though. Well, we go to church twice a week together. That doesn't mean you're seeking God together. 
That means you went to church together. And church is great. You need to come all the time, every time you can. But listen, if you're not seeking God together out there, you're really missing out on stuff. Because we're only talking about three hours a week if you're coming to two services together. And that can be difficult at times. So really, seeking God together is more what you do out there than what you do in here. And that is so important for our marriages to be as God intended them to be. You wanna build a great marriage, you gotta learn to seek God together. And there's some principles we'll talk about in just a moment, but I wanna encourage you, it's not just attending church, that is a part of it, but usually that's what we equate it to. You can go to church occasionally and seek God, but you need to seek God outside of church. And if you're a Christian couple who goes to church occasionally, you don't actively seek God together, you are keeping yourself on that 50-50 pile. If you're just going to church together but not seeking God, actively seeking God together, you haven't bettered your chances. You haven't increased the odds. You haven't got off that 50-50 thing, that one and two. And this is important for a number of reasons because some of you may be seeking the one, that one, but your spouse, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it that way. For some of you, uh, you know, when you're seeking together, maybe seeking the one, but you don't see your spouse as number two. You got really quiet on that one. But that's true. Because a lot of times, if we're honest, we're seeking God, but our spouse we don't deem as number two. Maybe it's our kids, right? Maybe we've allowed the kids to be that, that, that place that our spouse should be. Maybe it's our job. I want to seek God, but, but, I, but I, I'm not seeking with number two. My spouse, it's my job now has, has become that number two in my life, or my hobby has become number two in my life. My friends have become number two in my life. So you gotta make sure that order is important and get that in the proper order. Uh, let me give you some principles on how you can seek God together. Let me give you some tools on how you can do that. Three principles that we find in God's word. And I wanna say this about these principles that we find in God's word. They're not gonna be a surprise to you, but we're gonna be reminded of the importance of actually doing them and applying them into our life. But they've also been affirmed, there was a, a Harvard business study and also Princeton did a study on this. So they, they affirmed these principles to be true, and the study says this, the study showed that one out of every 1,246 couples divorced if they did three simple things found in God's word. So we went from one in two, what the, what the standard is, to one in 1,246, the difference being applying three principles found in God's word. How many know that that increased the, God, the, the odds greatly? Now, can I just say that? I'm always looking for better odds, right? And if I can go from one in every two to one in every 1,246, that's gonna get my attention. Because I wanna do anything I can to increase the odds of success in life. If I can find a better way to build a, a, a good or great marriage, then I need to do that. If anyone came to you and said that they would increase your odds from one out of two to one out of 1,246, what would you do? You would do that. If someone came and told you they can increase the odds of, of, of your financial stability or success from one to two to one to 2046, how many say, tell me what it is, I wanna know, come on, I'm gonna do that, or physically, or relationally with your kids or your friends. If someone could give you odds like that, there's not one person in this room that'd say, nah, I'm good. We'd all, we all would perk up and say, come on, I'm gonna take some notes, and then tell me again, how do you do this? Oh, okay, I just wanna make sure, because I wanna start this right away. So I'm telling you that I wanna give you some things that will increase the odds of building a great marriage in your life. Now if you, if you uh, were, to, let me say it this way, going back to our illustration, if you were told before you boarded a plane that you had one out of every two, 
one out of every two planes to go down, or you could go to another, uh, another airline and one out of every 1,246. What plane, what airline would you fly? And that's pretty simple. I mean, that's simple and kind of silly, but let's think about it in odds of our marriage. I mean, when we apply the word of God to our marriage, our odds of success go up exponentially because God honors his word, amen? And it is the sure foundation of life. And his word does not fail. And so I'm gonna give you a couple of things. Number one is this. These three things will stretch you. They may be uncomfortable. They will be. They'll be challenging, absolutely. They'll be difficult. You better believe it, but it's worth it because they work, because they're based on the word of God. Number one, pray together. Pray together. A couple that prays together. Come on, you didn't need me telling you that. But that's the reality of it. But praying together, oh, that's a tough one for me. And to, and to the men, we'd be saying, oh, are you serious? And to the women, we'd say, that's right, Pastor, thank you. I've been telling him that our whole marriage. We need to pray together. Where are you at? <laughs> now, guys, before you get mad at me, I just want to clarify a few things on that. You know, prayer is one of the things that everyone knows they should do, but not everyone feels comfortable doing it publicly. That's just the reality of it. We know we should, be, we should be very prayerful, prayerful people, but when it comes to doing it publicly, we, some, some of us just freeze up at that. You, know, you put them up in front of a group and say, can you pray? They can chatter all day, they can talk all day, be very confident, and you ask someone, hey, would you mind just praying for all of us? They'll pass out. <laughs> and I'll try and tell you that the power and presence of God overwhelmed them and they were slain in the spirit. But that's not true, they were just scared to pray publicly. So that's not always everybody's easy thing to do. So I, I want you to understand something, no condemnation in this, but I think that, I think at times that we get that pray together thing uh, a little confused. Let me, let me bring some clarity to that. When I say pray together, my wife and I, honestly, we don't have the time every day to carve out time in the morning, carve out time in the evening, spend together. We're just wired different. I'm in bed early at night. She stays up really late. She does a lot of devotionals and things late at night. I just, I can't stay up. If we, we close our eyes to pray, at, you know, after 10 o'clock, forget it. I'm gonna be snoring in just a short period of time. And she knows that's not tongues. I mean, she knows that. I, I've tried that. I asked her if she got the interpretation. She just didn't work. And, she's, and I get up early. I get up before the sun comes up. And that's kind of my personal quiet time. That's just me. And she's not gonna do that. And it's just different. So I understand that. If you can do that, man, God bless you. Could you pray for my family? Could you pray for me? But it doesn't work that way. So don't be condemned or feel bad about all this. But what I mean is bring prayer every day into your life. It may be something like, you know, before you go out the door or when you get home, it may be something like shooting a text to your spouse, hey, I'm praying for you today. It may be something, I know you have a meeting today, I'm praying for you, you got this. I was just thinking about you, I had you on my heart. My wife's real good about that. I was just thinking about you, you know, praying for you. You know what that is? Praying together without praying together. You know what I'm talking about? But we get so locked down, we have to have that physical face-to-face prayer time because we can't do it. We feel so guilty and so bad, we quit it. And then we're not even praying probably at all together. I'm talking about praying on the same page, praying on the same things throughout the day. Letting your spouse know, I was just thinking about this today, could you pray for it? Doing that throughout the day, come on, we all, most of us all have smartphones and now obviously we all need iPhones, <laughs> according to Pastor Cody, but anyway, so. <laughs> but you know, we, we can send those messages, we can do those things. You can write a little note. Come on, are you getting the picture here? How, who cannot do that? We all can start today. His mercies are new every morning. And start bringing prayer more into our life together. Listen, husband and wife, I'm telling you, it is so important for you to connect on a daily basis prayerfully over things. Even if it's just communicating either some prayer needs or I'm praying for you. We're at some time throughout the day, either when you can address that. And then when you do find those times, man, praise the Lord. But you don't feel bad when you can't. 
And one's traveling, one's at home, or one's doing this with the kids, and one's having to do this and that. And don't feel bad, because once you feel bad, the enemy will try to condemn you, because so you'll quit. Because he doesn't want you connected. So you can pray together without praying together. It's extremely important for you to find time. James 5.16 says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Confess your sins literally means also your problems. That word sins means problems. And pray for each other that you may be healed. You confess your sins to God to find forgiveness. You pray for one another to find healing. God set it up that way. So you need to find times to connect in some capacity through prayer, just like we talked about, that can be healing and stuff in your life throughout your day as well. You need to find that. It's important for us to do that. I want you to understand that. And so you need to make those moments and find that. And let me say this, why it's important for couples to try and find some time to pray together. Prayer is very intimate. When you pray, it is a very intimate bonding thing. When you pray with your friends, you, pray, you, you feel that you know your friend, you're, you're expressing your heart, you're, you're bearing your soul, if you will. There's a lot of bonding and intimacy that comes from that. And so couples, I'm telling you, you need to find those times. It's great to talk about throughout the day, the, the praying together without praying together, but when you need to find those times where you can, spend some time because it is intimate. So let me say this about singles. If you're single, you definitely can pray together, but do so publicly. Because again, because the intimacy and bonding. And so let me say it this way, you need to find time to do it publicly. Singles, don't pray with the, the person that you're liking or in love with privately. And sure don't pray privately on the couch at night because it'll go from prayer to speaking in tongues and laying on hands and you don't, you don't need to do that. No. And now I just illustrated to the married couples, uh-huh, okay. So wives, get, get, we're gonna have some prayer time, honey, down tonight after the kids go to bed, right? We're gonna... There you go. <laughs> so it, it is this, and I also joke, it is this important thing to find ways and moments to do that, but it doesn't look like carving out time every single day. You'll get discouraged in that. But it's important to do those things we discuss. Number two, discuss the Bible together. I don't know how often you discuss the Bible together, and that might seem a little kind of boring, or you may feel like you don't know the Bible well, or whatever that looks like, but let me tell you how important the Word is in your everyday life. You need to be putting the Word in somehow, some way, into every situation. The word has to get in you so it can come out of you. It needs to be in your heart. It builds your faith. You need to have those discussions. And again, Jesse and I don't read the Bible together. We've tried that. We've tried family. I've tried to get our kids together. My kids, really, Dad, again, if I go to them now, we're going to start a family devotion again. Really? How many times have we tried that, Dad? I mean, they'll just kind of laugh a little bit. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that, but reality is we just we couldn't find a way to make it work with schedules again and everything. But you know what? We can follow the Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 model. Here's what it says. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. We can bring the word of God into our everyday life, encouraging each other throughout the day. You can do that. Everybody in here can start bringing the word of God in your everyday life. You know what it does? It keeps you focused on the foundation that we're building in Jesus Christ through the word. It builds your faith. It releases authority of the word of God into situations. You're declaring the word of God over things. Amen? I'm telling you, it's powerful. You can find ways to bring it in your everyday life. We do that with each other. We do that with the kids. Jessamine, when she does her devotionals late at night, she has to wake up, wait till I wake up the next morning. If she sometimes has questions, I'll ask her questions about things I've been studying, praying. Uh, we went on a trip. I got to speak at a, a regional conference not long ago. So we went the night before, my wife and the girls and I, we were in a hotel room. I was gonna speak on a particular subject the next day. And I just said, hey, you know what, Callie and Camry? Here's what I'm gonna speak on. Here, tell me what you think about this point. And my kids brought up something I never thought about before. 
And I'm like, Jessamine, I'm just like, my goodness, I'd never thought about that before. So I got the pen out and I crossed what I was gonna say out and I wrote what they said I needed to say in there. And I gave them credit in my message. I said, my 15 and 16 year old, we were talking about this last night and I totally changed, here we go. Listen, there's ways to bring it into your everyday life that we need to find. It's so important to do that. So important to do that in our life. It will help us overcome and walk out a victorious life and build, build a great life, a great marriage. You know, coming here is so important. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but let me say it this way. It's great to come and have one guy up talking to a thousand people. That's great. But you know what's even greater? As having one guy talking about 10 people. You can bring the word into everyday life by getting into life groups. And can I tell you how powerful that is? Because then there's one guy talking with 10 people, which means then another guy can talk about what that guy talked about. Another guy can talk about what, how that affected him last time he encountered that. And another guy can talk about how that would work in this situation. And another guy then could talk, you get the picture. The point is bringing the word, the Bible into your everyday life. Listen, it is the wisdom of God. And we go so much and try and operate in man's wisdom, which falls short. It doesn't have, man does not have all the answers because he doesn't see the picture God sees. But listen, if we'll bring the word of God, that sure foundation that will stand in every storm of life, we'll find ourselves building a greater life and a greater marriage. Discuss, discussing the Bible changes your odds. Praying together changes your odds. And last one here, attend church together. Attend church together. And you may say, Pastor, we're here. We got this one. You're preaching to the choir. And then let me just call you to another level then. Don't just attend church together, but attend church together faithfully. You know what the statistics say, will tell you today when you do all the studies and church studies that now in today's world, average attendance is considered once every three weeks. If you have someone attend church, from the church world, if you have someone attend church once every three weeks, they're considered a regular attender. And I'm like, I think we can do better than that. I think that we can place a greater importance on time of gathering like this, of corporate worship, time in the word of God together, encouraging each other, praying for one another. I wanna, I wanna call us to a higher level of that. Consider making church a we don't miss kind of thing. It's not just when the weather's good, we'll go. Not just when the Cowboys play the late game or the series is interesting or it's not soccer today or it fits today. Make church a church first and everything else waits. I think that's the way it should be, honestly. You know why I say that? Not because I'm a pastor, because I believe it will increase your odds. It'll help you go from one to two to one to, to every 1,246. And I, I don't say that just because I have to say that or I want a, a number on a sheet of paper at the end of the day, but I want to be able to help you change your odds. So pray together, discuss the Bible together, attend church together. You know what, I grew up that way. And I know I grew up in a, in a pastor's home with stuff. And as a little kid, I remember going to the Baptist church in Elkhart, Indiana, Pierre Moran Baptist Church. And then I remember when my dad got totally radically rededicated and we never missed church. It's all I know. I feel guilty just being on vacation and not being here or going to an activity that I'm not here at church. I raise my kids that way. My kids are here every week and they serve. They both serve in different areas of ministry. We go to church, it's what we do. We go to church and we love it. I wanna encourage you to do that because here's what I've learned. Stay at home parents, don't raise go to church kids. Stay-at-home parents do not raise go-to-church kids. And we want our kids to do better than we did. We don't want our kids to face the same challenges. Who knows what the world's gonna be like when our kids are older. We just want our kids to love Jesus. You ask a parent, I just want my kid to love Jesus. How are they gonna do it if you don't model it? If you don't place a value on it, how are they gonna place a value on it?
Amen? And that's just reality. Listen, I'm not trying to get you to feel bad. I'm trying to increase your odds. I'm trying to get you better odds according to the word of God in your life. Luke 4, 16. He being Jesus, Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue or the church as was his custom. Wasn't just a good idea, I'm just gonna go there because it's fun because I'm Jesus. He went there because that's what he always did as his custom. We need to be more than just regular attenders according to the the idea of the world. We need to be faithful, consistent. Let's take a look at Psalms 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. I want you to know that unless God's involved, you are laboring or building in vain. You have to get God involved in your marriage, in your life, in your relationships, in your family. No one is good enough to make it really work without him. No one is attractive enough to make it work without him. It's just the truth, but God's word works God's word works. We need to live a God-first life. We need to build a God-first life. It works. Amen? We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.